Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, and it's it's kind of a bittersweet day here at the podcast because I think we've got to retire something that we frequently do on this show, and that's when we imagine what college football is going to look like after Nick Saban retires. Because Nick Saban just signed a, a new contract at Alabama that runs through the 2028 season, so I think we could probably stop imagining. Like, I, I feel like he's gonna he's gonna serve out that contract. So. We probably need to retire all our segments where we imagine what college football will look like once he's not coaching anymore, because he might be coaching longer than any of us are covering this sport. And that's okay. It's up to you other coaches to catch the man. But to that end, we bring in Aaron Suttles, our Alabama beat writer, to talk about Nick Saban's new contract and about the state of the Crimson Tide as they try to defend their most recent national title, because this is going to be a different looking team in 2021. The offense was off the charts. Great in 2020. Different story because it's a bunch of different people in 2021. We don't know what they're going to look like exactly. We have a very good feeling their defense is going to be better than it was in 2020. So this is going to be another SEC championship contender, national title contender type team. We're just not sure exactly how it's going to look, but we do know that the guy coaching, it's going to be there for quite some time. So here is me and Aaron Suttles talking about Nick Saban, his new contract, and the Crimson Tide. Aaron, how sad is everybody else in the SEC that Nick Saban is now under contract until he's 77? (laughs) I think for the most part, most people had already accepted it, but you saw that he's, you know, 70 years old this year. There was the thought that, okay, he's going to go go drift off into retirement, go play some golf at uh, one, of, one of his mini golf clubs, but he's just not wired that way. We've talked about it several times. I don't think there's anything he, that could fill his time that would that would be rewarding for him other than being part of a team, which he's talked about multiple times. But um, here's something I found uh, looking at the numbers, Andy. If he fulfills this contract, if he goes to the, the 2028 season, he'll have coached at Alabama 22 years. And if he, if you just extrapolate his average numbers of wins through that, he's going to end up with something like what three hundred and forty close to, to wins in his wow. career, which is just absurd. At, at and at his actually his fourth collegiate stop because he he had the one year at Toledo and then Michigan State and then LSU, and I mean that is that is crazy, but not far fetched because you're right. When when I look at Nick Saban, I don't see a person who looks like he'd be satisfied or fulfilled. He's got, you know, he's got investments in some Mercedes dealerships. Uh, I think he'd be really good on television because he's been good the times he's been on, but I don't think that would make him happy. No. And I, I know he, he has a TV agent. I um, mean, he's had one for a while and I just don't think like he's wired enough to go, okay. Um, all we need from you today is a 15 minute to, to like segment hit. And he's going to sit around for three hours on game day and be fulfilled with that. I just um, he's just too he's too much of a CEO. I mean, I know it's it's sports and I know sports is a business, but he really is a CEO and that's the way he runs things. And he needs that. He almost like needs every second of his day scheduled to feel like alive. And he does it as well as anybody we've ever seen it. But I just you know, as long as he's healthy, that's the key thing here. As long as he's healthy, I don't think he's leaving Alabama. That that is amazing, and and we you know we keep coming up with these, these scenarios about what the SEC will be like, what the national championship picture will be like when Nick Saban finally does retire. 
but I feel like we should probably retire those until it's until it's a realistic. I mean, think about it this way: we thought when Jimbo Fisher signed his contract at Texas A and M, like the end of that contract felt like flying cars, jetpacks territory. This contract ends after that one. Yeah. I mean, Alabama has done all these, and all these schools um, have started scheduling these great home and home. We're, st- we're seeing the game of college football kind of come back to campus instead of doing all these premier neutral site contests. We're getting some really good home and homes in the SEC again, and Alabama's been in a part of that. And they've they've signed it with you know Texas. Nick Saban will be like when they schedule the home and home with Notre Dame. I thought, okay, what will Lane Kiffin, what will Dabo Sweeney look like on the Alabama sidelines <laughs> going to Notre Dame? As the Alabama coach, well, no, it's going to be Nick, Nick Saban will be going to South Bend to, to play Notre Dame in 2028. That it is, it is amazing, and uh, you know, the thought that he's won six national titles since 2007 at Alabama, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. They just signed the number one recruiting class in the country. You know, they have a five star quarterback ascending to the starting role in Bryce Young. Can you can you envision it slowing down, or or do you think it just it, it's like this for the rest of this contract? Unless he unless he changes, because he's he's really th- he's handled everything thrown at him from how the game changed. We've talked about that a lot, and he's changing his philosophy on how he wanted his offense to go and how he recruited for his defense to defend those offenses. Um, this most recent thing he's had to overcome is is like his assistance. I mean, he's he lost. Fifty percent of his staff this year, uh, four on the defensive, uh, four on the offensive side of the ball, rather. So now it's like the attack on Saban is okay. We can, we'll just go get his his assistant coaches, and then they'll take, you know, um, guys in in the back office that no one ever really sees, and we'll just sort of erode that foundation that way. Well, he's handled that. He just goes out and even though he really has no first like hand connection with some of the coaches he's hired, uh, he you know he, he has openings on his staff. Oh, let's go get two NFL coaches this year and Doug Marone. And Bill O'Brien, he, he's handling that. So, no, I don't, I don't see it slowing down. The one thing that I can slow it somewhat is we've seen Kirby have a lot of success on the recruiting trail. If Kirby, now that they look like that offense is rolling with JT Daniels, if they they can sort of siphon some of those talents off at Alabama, if LSU can come back, which a lot of people are predicting, LSU might might be that this year again. That they will slow him down, but it's not going to stop him. Well, that that's what I wonder. Do you think Nick Saban? relishes the chat because it it does feel like the sec is going to be a more of a challenge for him this year because georgia looks like they're going to be pretty good lsu rings back a ton this is probably jimbo fisher's best team at texas a&m do you think saban enjoys that rather than just rolling over all of them? i do i think he likes to be challenged um and it, it it sort of reinvigorates him and then he can use it i mean he likes using those failures with his teams the next year. I mean, he he developed you know he developed that motto: "Let's not waste a failure." One year after what they lost one or two games, that's that's a failure at Alabama. I think he enjoys the competition. He's uber competitive. He's a guy that still up until he had his what hips replaced was playing competitive basketball and and like making rules that you weren't allowed to block a shot. And he got to he got to pick. Uh, his team. He's just a competitive guy, and I think he uh, I think that sort of fuels his fire. Well, it is going to be a really interesting next eight years of college football because Nick Saban is or eight seasons, not eight years. I'm not that bad at math, I promise. But next next eight seasons of college football, because I think you're right. I think this is 
he's not signing this to say, I'm going to retire after 2025. I, I believe his intent is to coach this thing out. And look, he's got that Benjamin Button thing going on. It feels like he's getting younger Unreal. every year. Yeah. I mean, he he ages about his, especially in a high stress position. I mean, I know he doesn't look as, as good as he did in two, 20, uh, 2007, but man, he ages really well. He's like the, that's because he's so regimented. Like he, he takes all that stuff he, he puts on his players about being, you know, having discipline in your life. And he applies it. He meets the guy that eats the same turkey salad for lunch every day, every day, every day. I mean, he just doesn't veer from what works for him. We'll be right back after these words. So, Aaron, now that the the Nick Saban portion of it is out of the way, and I don't think there was any concern about what Nick Saban was going to be doing this year. We knew he was going to be at Alabama uh, when, when he was landing that record-setting recruiting class that, that is the highest ranked in the history of recruiting classes. But this will be a very different team than the one that took the field last year, which, I mean, you could argue was was maybe his best Alabama team. It was definitely his best offensive team at Alabama. I, I don't know if it was the best all around, but it's awfully close. Yeah, I mean, I know Alabama fans are going to disagree with me because, it all, it, you know, the trophy case does matter, but I, I still think the 2016 team, the one that finished runner-up to Clemson by one second, was probably player for player the most talented team they've had as a whole. But last year's offense was just, I mean, I don't know, Andy, I don't know how I'm going to go back to watching a regular college football offense after that. And I understand why, I understand now why if you were a fan of Florida during the sun and gun, like you can't, it, it reprograms your DNA. You can't go back to a 17 to 10 game because it looks, it's just completely boring. When you've watched Devontae Smith and Mac Jones and, and Najee Harris and all those guys just just lay waste to every team they play, no matter what's thrown at them, that becomes addicting. So it won't be that way this year. I mean, I, mean, I know, I know well, Bryce and, Young's a five-star and all, but it, it, it's not going to be that way. Well, the, and that's what I wonder. And I think, you know, that one of the trademarks of, of Nick Saban's teams is that they have sort of adjusted to win the way they need to win to beat the best teams on their schedule. They may have to win those games yeah. 20 to 17 or, or, or 24 to, to 21. And, it does seem to me like the defense becomes the show this year, whereas the offense was was undeniably the show last year. Yeah, and it's relative, right? I mean, it's it's not what you expect from Alabama's 2009 defense. I mean, college football has changed. So, and I'm not to I'm not here to suggest Alabama's offense is going to be bad. They're not. They got a ton of weapons. They're a little unproven at wide receiver, but they got a ton of offensive linemen. Um, they got great running backs. So they're still going to be able to score some points. It's not it's not as if they're going back to um, you know, when they were scooting by teams um, back in the early part of Saban's um, tenure. But you're right. It's going to be a defensive-minded team because they they probably – I haven't studied every team in the country, but they're probably right there in terms of talent at linebacker is the best in the country. They're two outside linebackers. Go ahead and memorize the name Will Anderson because he's – you're going to see him a lot. And Christopher Allen's matured and, and finally become the player they thought he would be. And then now you got – Henry To'o To'o um, and, and Christian Harris, who's now going to be a three-year starter inside. So um, you got experience in the back end of the defense with Jordan Battle at safety. Um, I know you know it lost the SEC Defensive Player of the Year in Patrick Sertan, but Josh Job played pretty good football last year with, without a lot of people noticing. They've got the personnel on defense to be pretty good. 
Well, and, and that's the thing. You look at Will Anderson, and he comes in as a true freshman and gives them an elite pass rusher right off the bat. And, you know, you think about it, Alabama has not really had an elite edge rusher since Tim Williams was Tim more Williams. a situational guy. Yeah, yeah third yeah. down guy. Like, yeah. but, but Will Anderson is a three down or is an every down player. And I just I feel like that that makes a world of difference, especially when you put that kind of talent alongside him. Yeah, it was so it was so disruptive during spring practice. I mean, they, there were times they couldn't they just couldn't run their their sets on offense. I mean, the guy's his freshman year got the nickname the Terminator. So he just blows stuff up in front of him. And I, I think Chris Fallon's always been a get off the bus guy. You're looking at him because he's always been physically developed. But I think he's finally playing confident football. I think the key is how good. Can the defensive line be? I mean, they got a lot of guys. Um, go ahead and write the name down, Tim Smith, too. Tim Smith's going to be I was going to say, I was wondering when we get to Tim <laughs> Smith. I know he's one of your favorites. But, um, you know, DJ Dale, I think two years now removed from the knee injuries, is can be a more consistent player. Justin Aboigby, Byron Young. Um, they got some guys, but I, th- I think they need one or more of those guys. LeBron Ray is a guy that was the number one player in the state of Alabama his uh, in his recruiting class, but it's just dealt with a ton of injuries. I think they got a nice, they got a nice rotation, uh, enough bodies where they can keep guys fresh in games and throughout the year. But I think they need one or more of those guys to really become sort of a dude. Well, let's talk about the offense because that's what everybody wants to hear: is how do you replace Devonte Smith? How do you replace Mac Jones? How do you p- replace Landon Dickerson? These are these are all people that were really good. Now the Landon Dickerson thing, I think you, you saw Chris Owens in the playoff. He played really well. Um, that offensive line looks fantastic. Evan Neal moving to left tackle. Let's let's talk a little bit about Evan Neal because I don't know. You've seen some good freakish offensive linemen come through Alabama. I, I don't know. This might be the most freakish guy we've seen. You, you saw the box jump, right? That he did last year. I saw the year. box jump. So for those who haven't seen it, this one of Alabama's strength coaches, Matt Ray, posted this this video, and what it is is is, is two plyometric jumping boxes. Usually you would just use one and you jump up with two feet. Uh, he had Evan Neal jump between them and land in a, basically a lunge or a split. He weighs 370 yeah. pounds. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So, And you can speak to this more than the average person, Andy. I think people just assume, oh, your tackle's tackle. Well, I mean, going from right to left isn't as, as simple as we make it sound, but... Most assume he's going to be okay at left tackle, but I, I was talking to you for the state of the program for the athletic, which you can you can find on the website. Um, I was talking to a, a, an SEC assistant who said he's a top fifteen guy. I mean, they just yeah. I mean, he's a top fifteen guy. Okay. Just and we really haven't talked about him that much just because Alabama's just been loaded on the offensive line as you mentioned. So. You know, we, we talked about Bryce Young already. He he's going to be the the successor to Mac Jones, and I think you know going into the, this time last year, people thought Bryce Young would be the starting quarterback. You know, nobody realized what Mac Jones was going to be. So now Bryce Young's been in the system for a year. He's he's gotten a chance to to learn, but he's not Mac Jones. He's a different kind of quarterback. Is he more similar to to what they had with Jalen Hurts, or you know what they did with Jalen Hurts, or would it be more similar to what they did with Tua? Where 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 is this going to fall? Yeah, I kind of think he's sort of a a split of Jalen and, and Tua. He in the pocket really reminds me of Tua, um, and he's not physically Jalen. I mean, he's not six foot two, a power lifter. That's the question I have, Andy. Is is you know on when he's 
when he stays in the pocket, um, his height, because he's not what they list him at. He's a shorter guy at quarterback, which Tua was too, but he maybe may even be a little shorter than Tua. Um, you know, when he's on, you know, in, in, in the pocket and they keep him on the pocket, how he, how he performs, but that's the, you know, that's the, the one thing is it's not going to be easy to keep him in the pocket because he's, he's a very talented runner too. Well, the pocket's going to be pretty clean most of the time too. That's, that's the other thing. And it's, it's against the Georges and the LSUs and the Texas A&Ms and obviously Georgia's not even on the schedule. That's, you know, a team you gotta, you gotta get to, to play them, but it's against those types of teams that that he might not be dealing with as many clean pockets. But I am curious, and, and Bill O'Brien, you know, as the offensive coordinator, and you mentioned this earlier. Imagine the level you have to be at where you're the type of place that fired NFL coach goes there to be your offensive line coach and offensive coordinator. Like, that's where they are now from a staffing standpoint. Yeah, and Alabama, uh, I don't know if fans truly realize it. Alabama got really blessed, you know, with that that run of offensive coordinators they had from Loxley to Sark because both of those guys are really, really good at coaching today's offenses. Um, Bill O'Brien, I was talking to Christian Hackenberg back in the spring. He, he, uh, he played for Bill O'Brien at Penn State, and he said, you know, we didn't do a ton of RPOs. I mean, that just wasn't where college football was when he was there. They didn't do that. And now Bill O'Brien has worked with Deshaun Watson, so he in, in, with the Texans, so he's probably a little more familiar than than maybe he gets credit for. But I think that relationship with him and Bryce Young is really important um, because you know talking to Christian Hackenberg, he had to have that trust to Bill. So at times he he, he gave it to Christian so he could change things at the line. Um, you know, college football is a little different animal now with all the placards they hold up on the sidelines. You can change a play for a quarterback too. So. I just think that relationship is going to be key because you know we'll probably look back at that run of Loxley and Sarkeesian as two of the better offensive coordinators that Nick Saban ever had. Well, it'll be interesting with O'Brien because I think people, the general public looks at his tenure as the Texans coach and really more his tenure as the Texans GM, which did not go well. Uh, but the, the coaching piece of it, he, he did fine as an offensive schemer. But I go back to when he was at Penn State, and I, I spent some time with him his first year at Penn State for Sports Illustrated, and I was really impressed by the way he communicated with those players and, and how he taught that offense because he was bringing the Patriots' offense essentially to Penn State. Very complex. He had to he he had to modify it so that a bunch of college kids could learn it quickly, and he did. I mean, those guys. When I came, they were in preseason camp. And I mean, they were, they had it down and understood it. You could watch the quarterbacks in film and they clearly knew what they, what they were supposed to do, uh, when balls were supposed to go out and he, he had not been with them that long. So I, I thought that was impressive. And I think that will help Bryce Young develop as well, because, you know, he, it's more, you know, Bill O'Brien probably has to learn the offense first because that's that's one thing that they've done in Alabama is they've changed offensive coordinators, but they've just sort of had the new guy tack on some of his stuff and and build around what was already there. So you've got this Frankenstein of Lane Kiffin, Brian Dable, Mike Loxley, and Steve Sarkeesian now. Yeah, they, they, they just had a tremendous run. And you, the relationship, the communication part, Christian Hackenberg said was going to be key um, because – he said they don't they don't call him Boston Bill 
for nothing. He's just got sort of that exterior toughness. Like you got to be able to, yeah. to take some, some tough coaching. Um, and you know, I, I think Bryce Young's probably, um, going to be able to handle that. Cause you mentioned, and it's true. Like Nick Saban says it all the time. We're, we're going to do what we do now. You, you can throw in some supplemental stuff and we'll build off that, but we're going to do what we do. And Bryce sort of has the, the benefit this year because the way Alabama is built and all the talent they lost is I think against most teams, against most teams, they're going to probably be able to run the ball pretty efficiently. So the play action yeah, and passing game will probably be beneficial for Bryce. And, and the thing is, look, it's going to be hard. And I realize we've said this every time. It's going to be hard to replace these receivers, but to replace Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, I mean, and, and then obviously what Najee Harris could do coming out right. of the backfield, that's very difficult. But they do have, you know, John Mechie played a big role last year. Slade Bolden played a role last year. Uh, Ajayi Hall seems pretty uh, – you're not going to believe this, but Alabama has a good receiver from Florida. I, yeah, if if, if 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 I were Miami, Florida State, and Florida, I would just uh, – that'd be my first priority is just to stop Alabama from going and getting elite talent. Um, you know, Ajayi Hall had a great – Great, and everybody saw it on A Day, and, and and everyone sort of told me pump the brakes, pump the brakes. You know this that was against the second team defense, and I understand that. But what he did, I don't care if it's the first team defense. When you make contested catches, when you able to have great to have great body control on the sideline, it doesn't matter if it's the first or the second team because great coverage and, and making contested catches is great. Is you know making contested catches and using the sideline as a weapon for a defender can't get to is also a weapon. So I just, I'm not saying he's going to be the next Amari Cooper or Calvin Ridley or Jerry Judy from Florida, but I'm just saying he, he, he got a lot of people excited this spring. And the guy I like a lot that, that I think they can probably expand the role of is, is Jaleel Billingsley. You know, they, yeah. they saw what Florida did with Kyle Pitts and I, I don't want to compare Billingsley to Kyle Pitts because that's probably not fair because Kyle Pitts is an alien, but Billingsley is a 6'4", 235-pound guy who can run. There, you, you saw late in the season some of the things they were doing with him, but it feels like he could have a, a bigger role in this offense too. He's going to, you know, because he was the first few games last year was at least from a production standpoint that we see was you know pretty much MIA, and then they they said, hey, we can't we can't cover him. And um, I completely agree with your assessment. We should never compa- compare anyone to Kyle Pitts. Um, oh, but he went higher. Didn't he go higher drafted all time than any other tight end in history? I mean, yes, and and, and deservedly so. Yeah, he's. A, I mean, I saw him at the SEC championship game, and they couldn't cover him. No, but that's no. That's no one could cover him. He's a freak. But the thing is, if you have somebody like that f- from a physical standpoint, you can do some things where you really mess with the defense's head if you can move that guy around, and uh, you know, and that's where I see Billingsley fitting in is. They can they can move him around and really make it tough on defenses because you're trying to match him match him up with somebody. You can create the matchup just, that gets him yeah. scheme wise to get him on a player that you want him on. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Alabama kind of dives right in. I I actually like the the opening with Miami seems like a very good way to because Miami is good. And Miami is talented, but Miami is not on Alabama's level. So if you're if you're breaking in a new quarterback, this is one of those where you don't have to be perfect to win this game. Where some of, some of the teams they've played in these these neutral site season openers have been, you better be 
at, playing at your your highest level to be to be competitive here. This is one where they can win without being perfect, but they will be challenged if they're not perfect. So I, 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 I'm excited to see that. Yeah, and, and it serves a purpose that Nick Saban always likes. Is like, you know, sometimes during those summer workouts, seven on seven, and when you start getting into fall camp, and it's hard to keep those guys motivated. But you see a name like Miami, and it's a little, it makes it a little easier to remind yourself what you're playing for. Yeah, and and the the stretch of the schedule, they go to Florida on September 18th, which until we see Florida's offense and what it's going to look like, which it'll be you know, completely revamped. And I, I think defensively Florida will be a little bit better than they were last year, which they need to be. But I, I don't know if they take a step back offensively or, or how different they'll be. So it's hard to tell how challenging that game is going to be. But the the stretch of Ole Miss at home, which obviously Alabama should win, but Lane gave them fits last year. Matt Corral gave them fits last year. And then they go to Texas A&M right after that. A&M on the road right after playing Ole Miss feels like a, a, a trap-type spot. Yeah, and Jimbo's pointed to this game, right? I mean, he, he's having some fun in the booster um, circuit, which he should. And and that's, you know, it's still, what, the only game they lost last year. So they, they've been looking forward to this Alabama game. And um, they recruit really well. They got, they got a lot of players. They got that game at home. I think that's a spot on the schedule that you look at when you start looking at the totality of Alabama's schedule and um that's a tough stretch there yeah and that seems like the toughest stretch i mean it is because they they got yeah they, they've got tennessee and then an open date before lsu uh they've got arkansas before they play auburn they, they can they can live with that that's one where, where you're you're going to be stressed a couple weeks in a row and stressed in different ways and because Ole miss is just going to try to scheme you to death they're going to try to tempo you to death and Texas A&M may be able to match you player for player. They might be the closest yeah. thing until unless you get to Georgia in the SEC championship game where where a team could actually stand toe to toe with Alabama and and be okay. Yeah, like I said, I mean Jimbo's recruited really really well there. And if you look at the the problem that that Lane gave Alabama last year is as you mentioned that sort of the matchups tight end had a huge night. Um, just running free down the middle of the field at time. Who's who's used the tight end better in over the last ten years than Jimbo Fisher? I mean, if there's one thing, I yeah. mean, he, he gets credit for quarterback development, which he deserves, but he uses the tight end as about as, as about as well as anyone in college football, and that's an area that out that was Alabama was susceptible to last year too. Yeah, and that's one that you know it, they may have more at that position than we even think because we've yet to see Baylor cup in a game yet. The, the poor guy has, has gotten hurt season ending injuries in the preseason, both years. He was supposed to be the better of the two tight ends in that class with Jalen Weidermeyer and Jalen Weidermeyer looks like pretty he good. Might be a first or second <laughs> round draft. Weidermeyer's pretty good, man. He's really good. Yep. So it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun year. And I, I feel like Alabama's facing more of a challenge this year than it faced last year. Obviously, Florida challenged them in the SEC championship game. That Ole Miss game was a lot of fun. But I, I do feel like there there are teams in the SEC that feel closer to Alabama than anybody really did last year. Yeah, I, I think given every, everything Alabama's lost, um, you know, last year and and some of the talent that's not there, I, I think it sets up where other programs are a little closer to Alabama this year, um, which is sort of a duh statement, but it's true. And the way the schedule plays out this year, that you mentioned that that early section's um, a pretty about as rough as it gets for Alabama. That's still when 
Bryce isn't going to be then what he's going to be later in the year because he's a first year starting quarterback. So there, I think if there's a chance to get him, it's in it's during that stretch. Well, it is going to be fun, and and we're going to get yelled at for even suggesting that Alabama might lose a game. That I know, how, I know how that goes. I know how that works. But Nick Saban under contract until 2020. We always joke about <sighs> you know somebody please make sure it's Red Jello Day in the retirement home for me when I get to watch these games that get scheduled all the way out. I I think Nick Saban may be coaching longer than I'm writing slash talking. No, I, I I never thought I would cover one coach for my career, but it's starting to look like I'm only going to get one. It's it's going to be great when when he's just ahead in a jar, still winning <laughs> national championships. It's going to be incredible. Just you know, medical science is going to make all kinds of advancements just to make sure that Alabama can keep winning football games. Well, if there's Aaron a place Suttles, that would do it, it's Alabama. That's exactly right, Aaron Suttles. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening. You can listen to the Andy Staples Show three times a week, all year round. We're always talking college football, frequently talking SEC. We'd love to have you. Subscribe or follow. That's what they're calling it on Apple Podcasts these days. Uh, Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you again next time.